Welcome to Holy Trinity Episcopal Church in Nevada City, California. We are in the first week of Lent, and our message this morning was brought to us by the very Reverend Canon Mary Houck. Thanks for joining us. May the Lord bless my speaking this morning, that it may honor the holy name of Jesus. Amen. Okay, so I am dating myself a lot here. But when I was in my late adolescence, early adulthood, there was a very popular song, I bet a lot of you will know it, by Crosby, Stills, and Nash, that had this line in it. And we've got to find our way back to the garden. I would sing it, but And we've got to find our way back to the garden. Finding our way back to the garden is a strong image in music, in poetry, in art, and in our souls. We long for a time that was, mythic or otherwise. A time when all was well, a time when all was in peace, and time when all was attuned to the will of God. The Garden of Eden symbolizes that time. And it's a very powerful symbol. And it is also a theme, some might say it is the theme, of the Old and New Testaments in the Christian Bible. It goes like this. Once upon a time, we had a perfect relationship with God. But we messed it up. The mess up is the story that we hear in Genesis this morning. It retains its power today because, of course, we're still messing up. And it goes like this. Once upon a time, in our corporate mythic memory, the Lord God walked in the garden in the cool of the evening, seeking us out, loving us, loving the creation and all that God had made. Loving the garden that was created for our joy and for our sustenance. This sort of anthropomorphic God that we read about today in the reading from Genesis is so close that for Adam and Eve, God is a part of their daily lives. We read that they heard the voice of God walking in the garden in the cool of the day. Genesis 3.8 Imagine their joy. Lived in a time of shared intimacy with the Creator. This man, this woman, this garden, these creatures, and the Creator. A time of knowing who they were in relation to all of those and to each of those. But sadly, this time was not to last. It's appropriate that we hear this reading from Genesis on the first Sunday of Lent. It's our annual time of recollection, a time of evaluation, a time of repentance. It's a time to remember God's intentions for us. Mm -hmm. And 
It's a time to remember our inevitable rebellion. Though we are created in the image and likeness of God, we are not God. We are Adam. We are Eve. They, we, messed up the perfection of, gar of the garden. They, we, were weak. We were selfish. We were short-sighted and we were self-promoting. They, we, spoiled this grace-filled time of extraordinary relationship with our Creator. And the Bible tells us that our inability to maintain that distinction between, between Creator and creature culminated in our being expelled from the Garden of Eden. This morality tale is one of the things that I love about Lent. It's just about this time of year when I feel a wake-up call. And Lynn comes along offering me six weeks, a six-week reminder of the human condition that I share in and that you share in. Adam and Eve's story is my story. It's your story. It's our human story as we enter the church's season of Lent. Many, many, many once upon a times ago, all was well. Relationships were close. A sense of peace and harmony and security and well-being existed. And we each understood our purpose. We were so cared for, we didn't even need clothes. But things changed. We forgot the proper ordering of our loves that God is God and we are not God. We are Adam, we are Eve. Like Adam and Eve, our priorities easily become disordered. And we listen to the voice of the serpent. Why should we not eat of the fruit of knowledge? Knowledge is a good thing. Why should we not be like God? We're made in God's likeness and image. Why should we not? That is our primeval tale. I think it's carried in our genes. And here we are now, beginning another Lent, an annual opportunity for us to face the truth that without God's grace, we are wandering in the wilderness, naked and afraid, so to speak. Actually, I mean that. We are wandering in the wilderness. I don't know about you, but I feel that pressing in on me right now in this particular moment in time.
We are wandering in the wilderness. For me, then, Lent is an annual opportunity for, put, for me to put a check on some very comfortable illusions that I live in most of the rest of the year. We all have our set. I'm going to stop for a minute and just let you think about the comfortable illusion that helps you get up every morning. And I'll tell you some of mine. I'm in control. That's my first illusion. That is a primary illusion for me. I'm in control. Here's another one. I'm a good enough person. I'm doing the best I can. And here's the one that I really need to lend for. I deserve the life I'm living because I worked so hard to achieve it. That's the illusion that I live in. The sin is my total buy-in to those illusions. Because I know they're not true. I know that they're meant for the grace of God. The truth is this. First, I'm not all that. And I can't find my way back to the garden on my own strength. And I can't earn it on my own merit. It may be a long, long season or it may be a short, short season. I'm not even really in control of whether I will have length of days or not. I might improve my season through some good judgment and through some healthy habits that my doctor is happy to recommend to me. Back at the gym, by the way. But only because the doctor made me do it. Here's one truth in this story that is paramount. It grieved the heart of God to lose us. We weren't made for the sake of the garden. We were made for the sake of God. God enjoyed the walk in the cool of the evening. With his great creation and his created. He enjoyed it more than we did. God made us for God's joy and purpose. In the image and likeness of God, God created us. Male and female created God us. That's how the story goes. But it's not how the story ends. It ends with disobedience. It ends with betrayal of the gardener. It ends with Adam and Eve being expelled. But the heart of God was grieved. The heart of God was grieved. So a door back to the garden was opened. A way back into relationship with God was offered. 
a way that is stronger than our weakness can ever be, a way that was accomplished by the sacrifice of God incarnate in Jesus Christ. Cardinal John Henry Newman, who was, by the way, an Anglican priest before he lost him to the Roman Catholics, penned these verses in a beautiful hymn. O loving wisdom of our God, when all was sin and shame, a second Adam to the fight and to the rescue came. O wisest love that flesh and blood which in Adam failed, should strive and should prevail. You know, it's often easier for us to believe in the story presented in the third chapter of Genesis than the story that is suggested in the fifth chapter of Romans. When Paul says that one holy and sinless life could be surrendered freely opening a door into a garden that we thought we would never see again. It is still hard for me to grasp the fullness of the Christian gospel, of the good news, of our salvation in Jesus Christ. That it is still hard for me to grasp that there is a God who so loves us and so desires us that God would enter our human experience, living and dying in the person of Jesus of Nazareth. It's a breathtaking gift. God's Son living and dying so absolutely in harmony with the will of God that His very self becomes the light that illumines our path back to the garden. The truth is, it's far easier for most of us to accept our fallenness than our redemption through Christ. The effects of the fall are so obvious all around us. War, racism, economic domination, drugs, pollution, crime, and on and on and on and on and on. The coming of Christ was what? A mere two months ago. You remember Christmas? By late February, it can be easy to lose our Christmas glow. It's often a challenge to see how Christ coming into the world has really made any difference. We might, and we, and we do, look at the lives of the saints for something to hang on to. We discern something lovely and holy in the witness of saints like Julian of Norwich, Patrick the Apostle to Ireland, Hildegard, Mother Teresa. We might also look to the lives of our friends and our mentors, the lives of our teachers, the lives our parents live, our grandparents, gifted by moments of grace in their faithful lives that help mentor us along our path. 
But the real life of saints is hidden, whether they're living or dead, is hidden like our own, within Christ, in God. So where are we this first Sunday in Lent? Right where we always are, my friends. We are beginning anew. Lent starts today. We are starting again. Setting out again on our Lenten path. Giving ourselves an opportunity to walk faithfully, to pray faithfully, to act faithfully. Making the annual trek with the church and with each other in the wisdom that has been given to us. We're walking the way. The way of Lent, which goes to and through the cross. We're walking the way of Lent with Christ as our light, seeking that intimate relationship with God that is our spiritual garden. And we walk this path by faith, certainly not by sight. So, who are we this morning? We are the baptized body of Christ. It is the precious gift that we have been given to, to seek to understand the human condition in this world for which Christ died. Ours is an understanding based in Genesis, but redeemed in the Gospels. Redeemed by Jesus Christ, the Lamb of God, and proclaimed in the letters, like Paul's letter. When Paul said, Therefore, just as one man's trespass led to condemnation for all, so one man's act of righteousness leads to justification and life for all. For just as by the one man disobedience, the many, were made sinners. So by the one man's obedience, the many are made righteous. The Christian faith seeks to accept both the dark side of human existence as we take responsibility for what happened in the garden and the salvific side of human, of human existence. The one promised to us in birth, in our life, in our death, and in the resurrection of the second Adam, Jesus Christ, the Savior and light of the world. So we begin our Lenten journey back to the garden. And I close with a prayer. Lord God, come quickly to help us who are assaulted by many temptations. And as you know the weakness of each of us, let each one find you mighty to save. Amen. Amen.